Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface, and today myself and Alex Crook asked if VAR audio could be made available live, with some referees seemingly pushing back. Is it as much about entertainment as it is transparency? Aidy Boothroyd, the former Watford, Northampton and England under-21 manager, joins us in the studio to look at his career in management so far. We talk boxing with Spencer Oliver and Gareth A. Davis as we build up to KSI and Tommy Fury live on TalkSport this Saturday night. And it's Outspoken with White and Jordan. What has been confirmed in the last 24 hours is that trials are going to take place in leagues around the world from next year, which are going to allow the communication of VAR audio to be broadcast in stadiums. I think that's quite big news. It's huge news. Um, and I think we're all in favour of it. We've seen, particularly during this Rugby World Cup, how well that works. Nobody's in any doubt about what decisions are being taken and why they're being taken. I think the big issue that I've had with VAR, one of many actually issues uh, since it came in, is the the lack of thought that goes into those people who actually pay their hard-earned money to buy their expensive Premier League tickets in some cases. And often it's the people inside the stadium who are completely in the dark about what is happening in the VAR room. Obviously, if you watch on television, then you get a far better explanation. That doesn't sit right with me. And I understand that that there's a reluctance to show dubious decisions on television monitors in case it can cause issues amongst the crowd. But I think we have to get past that, and I think this is a definite step in the right direction. Well, um, it's interesting because the FA Chief Executive, Mark Bullingham, has backed more transparency for supporters. He says there shouldn't be a difference between in-stadium and watching at home on TV. But he suggests that the pushback over VAR conversations is, is, is coming from referees. Now, why on earth would referees not want to make decisions in the public domain? Why would they not want to hear their community communication aired to everyone. Every referee I know, everyone I've spoken to about it, suggests that it would be a good thing for more communication. The only reason they don't do it at this moment in time is because the IFAB protocol, by the way, Mark Billingham sits on the IFAB, um, won't allow them to do so. And in fact, Howard Webb said on the uh, Mic'd Up show just a couple of days ago, and to us in this studio back in May, that the PGMOL themselves are pushing for the uh, live explanations. We're not able to do it live at the moment, in-game. At the, at the moment, uh, the International FA Board and FIFA don't allow that. Maybe that will change. We're, I'm part of a working group looking to see if we can get the opportunity to play audio out live. But at the moment, we can't. So we're doing the next best thing. We're playing it out afterwards. It's a step in the right direction, we think. What are the objections to playing it out live? I think they feel that the, the programme's still fairly new. I think they, they feel it's still its infancy. Officials are still 
developing the way to communicate with each other. I think they're always aware of the need to think about how skilled officials are at communicating in something that's pretty new and ensuring that they maintain their kind of levels of credibility. I think that's understandable. To be clear, we're pushing this. We want yes. we want as yeah. much information out as possible. Last night was the first step. We uh, we picked a selection of clips that showed a range of types of incidents. Yeah. But we fully understand, this is a bold move, and we fully understand that once you draw that curtain back and open that box, it's open, and we have to show everything. Could this be from referees in different parts of the world that are pushing for um, a little bit of caution and, and just slow down with the speed of releasing these, these audio segments? Because um, Mark Bullimer is quoted today as saying, this is something that we've talked about in multiple IFAB meetings generally there's a split in the room over that and quite often it's between the marketing and commercial people and the referees. It's our point of view from a marketing and commercial perspective would normally be that the transparency is a really good thing and we want to have fans to have the maximum experience. Um, so where do you think the, the split is coming from? Well, I'd love to know, to be honest, because as you mentioned there, I don't really understand if you're a referee and you have courage in your convictions, why you would have any issue uh, with your audio conversations being played in the tunnel. Well, you heard Howard Webb say there that they want it. They're yeah. pushing. He said, let's just to reiterate, let's be clear, we are pushing for this. So, so as you say, therefore, if, if the Premier League officials are on board, then the obvious assumption is that maybe it's officials from foreign shores that aren't comfortable uh, with this as a development. I guess, again, it has to be uniform, doesn't it? If you're going to roll it out in the Premier League, you have to roll it out in, the, in La Liga and the Bundesliga. Is the issue here, actually, though, when we come to like a World Cup tournament or a European Championship tournament, or is that all the officials speak a different language and as a result, it's very difficult for them to explain their decisions or for people to understand what they're saying anyway? Because, let's, for example, if you've got a team of Japanese officials that don't speak French or English and you've got a huge audience from those countries, you're not going to necessarily, those two teams playing, for example, you're not going to understand what the, the officials are saying unless you happen to be fluent in Japanese and most of the country are not well sh surely you could have an interpreter you know relaying the, the conversation that's happening in the VAR room on the tannoy right there'll be a 10 second delay possibly but I'd say that's easy enough to never do you want to listen to all the conversations or do you want to listen to the reasoning behind the decision making process I think I'd be interested in listening to the whole conversation would to you? be honest yeah I think I, I think I would it's not very interesting <laughs> As, uh, we well, get, the, well that one the Liverpool Tottenham one was quite lively no, but it, but it, you know, I mean you heard that but we we obviously are quite lucky when we're doing television commentary if you're the host broadcaster you do get access to the VAR in real time so you can hear it in your ear and you can hear what they're talking about you can turn it up and down and whatever but it's not it is there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation and you tune out of it a lot because you can't listen to all of it all the time because with all the other stuff that's going on you just get distracted and focus only on that but it's not it's not riveting most of the time because these big incidents that take a VAR check don't happen very often do they let's be honest no, they don't. Um, but I, I guess one of the things that we've been critical about since that Liverpool Tottenham audio was released, that maybe the lack of professionalism, the lack of uh, succinctness in the conversation, so maybe it would Which help in better. that respect as well. Yeah, maybe it would upgrade in terms of the professionalism, what they called each other. It might uniform uh, the sort of call signs for people. But is it more about entertainment than it is transparency, do you think? Do you think the, the, the Mark Bullingham was talking, saying from the marketing and commercial perspective, <laughs> I mean, is there... Is there something in that that they're expecting to make money out of the fact that they're broadcasting these conversations? I mean, you go to the States, added time um, on NBC is uh, it's progressive added time. It's, it's a sponsored segment. You know, as soon as the added time ball goes up, 
They do a big sponsor read. They make money out of that stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure that should be the biggest driving force, to be honest. I think first and foremost, it's about transparency. It's about enhancing the stadium atmosphere for those people who have purchased tickets. But inevitably, you know, all, all of our Premier League clubs, all football clubs, have got big marketing departments now. So if they can make a couple of quid out of it, surely they'll do that. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It's Talk Sport. It's Sam at the face. It's Alex Crook. And we're live, right? the way through to a one o'clock in for White and Jordan again today and tomorrow as well. Jim and Simon back on Monday. Andy Boothroyd, the former England under-21 coach, is alongside us in the building. You left your role after a seven-year spell with the FA uh, a year or so ago um, and then you see them win the European Championships. Do you sit there and go, oh, for God's sake, that's the last thing I needed or were you actually pleased for them? I was delighted for them. Um, you know, most people that come out the FA... Um, you know they, they have a tale to tell I absolutely loved my time at the FA I, I love working for my country uh, and to see those win you know uh, Trafford's penalty save in the very last minute of the very last minute you know a g- great for everybody connected because it means that we're winning at all levels and it's now that final push getting to the first team um, so yeah I had a similar feeling Sam when the under-20s won the World Cup because I'd left them to go to the under-21s as Gareth moved up um, uh, along the chain so yeah we got used to, to winning as a, as a system, as a, as a group of coaches, um, but it was a long time. And I think at that particular time when we just lost against Croatia in the last minute of the last minute, the ball flying over Ramsdale going into the top corner, uh, you know, the I think the emotion and the just the uh, that moment in time when I was asked the question, is it the impossible job? And I said, it is the utterly impossible job, which of course it's not because as you as, as you've you know pointed out, um, England won at under-21, which is brilliant. And they, but they but what you it. meant by that wasn't that you could never win, but the circumstances had to be right, correct? That's absolutely correct, Chair. You, you imagine when you pick a squad, uh, let, let's say November, you pick a squad, um, an under-21 squad, and as you're picking those players, you've got to take into consideration what Gareth wants and what he needs, as it should be always. You um, have to look at the players' form at that particular time um, at that particular juncture of, of their playing career, where they're at. And then you've got to look at um, getting them actually out to play for us to make sure that um, we're working with the clubs um, to make sure that we get the players at the best possible time. Fast forward to March, all kinds of things have happened. Players have got injured, some players have moved up, some players have lost form, some players have come out the the, the, the woodwork from nowhere, flying. Um, and you've got to be able to manage all that, so... It is it is a difficult job, but it's a brilliant job. Um, and when I said that, as soon as I'd said it and the words came out of my mouth, I thought, you shouldn't have said that. So when Jamie O'Hara slaughtered me, um, at the time, I think it was Jamie, uh, it wouldn't have been Gabby, he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> when I got stick, you know, actually looking back now, I have to say, Jamie, you know, you're probably right, mate. Was it a defence mechanism on massive, your part? Because massive of how bad the tournament went. Yeah, I, I mean... We, we went through these brilliant unbeaten spells, you know, qualifying with ease against some good teams, some good players. We, you know, playing against some really good teams. Um, but it, but it's tough. You, you have to you have to accept it. Is it a defence mechanism? Of course it is, because ideally I'd have all the best players, uh, all the players eligible, uh, eligible to play. But we, that's not what the aim of an under-21 manager is, is to get players into the senior team and to win. Um, and uh, you know 
we've been able to do that at all levels now pushing into the senior team. Um, do you think though that one of the reasons why it didn't work out as well for you as it has done for Lee Carsley is because at the time that you were in charge of the under-21s, Gareth required more players from a younger age group because he didn't have the quality in the senior squad. We've now got to a point where there's a bit of a logjam. The, the, the squad is difficult. The senior squad is difficult to get into now. Yeah. Therefore, there is a lot more players that are led, eligible for the under-21s that are staying with the under-21s. The likes of Saka, the likes of Sancho, the likes of even hudson Adore, they never played for the under-21s. Yeah, and then you get your Bellinghams that had a little touch of it, and that's why. How, how many games did Bellingham play in twenty one? Um, I think three or four. Yeah, scored, made three. <laughs> he, he was okay. I mean, he was he, he's he's been all right. I think. I think he's going to have a good career. Yeah, but you, but you're right. That that logjam um, needs managing and needs uh, and, and needs dealing with it, and that's what we did. Um, and as I said, ideally, every England fan wants England to win. Mm. Um, every England supporter wants to see players getting into the senior team and we and we're not that far away you know i think it's 13 out of the uh, out of the squad this current squad that have come through the system through the 21s the seniors uh, into the seniors and that starts all the way down at you know steve cooper with the under 16s um before he's headed to the heady heights he's he's got to now um you know he, he was a big part of that system as was rob, rob edwards lads that have you know, gone on and, and done and done really, really well. And in terms of players who you managed during your time at the under-21s, I mean, the list of names is, is stellar. People like Mount, Foden, Gallagher, James, Aaron Ramsdale, Chilwell, Madison. Which one of those would you pick out as being the most talented? And who do you think maybe that you work with that you thought would go on and have a brilliant senior career maybe hasn't quite lived up to their potential? Well, did you mention Phil Ford in there in your list? Yeah. So Phil would be... Um, my, if you to say, put your cap on, who do you think is going to be a superstar? And they were all really good players that he just ruled, you know, just went through them. Phil would be the player that I would say could kick on again. Um, Can he still kick on at international oh, level? Oh, yeah. Without, without he he often finds himself not in the starting eleven. weirdly. Well, yeah. I mean, that, again, that's down to, that's down to uh, opinions and it always will be. Uh, but for me, he was he was terrific. I thought he was a you know I thought he, he is a wonderful talent, and people are not sure whether he should be playing coming in coming in off the line or whether he should be staying out wide or whether he should be playing in the centre. Uh, but he can play anywhere. He's a super talented guy, as are all those guys. But what you will will find, Alex, because it's that's that's part of it, is to get to a a situation where in their clubs they're they're almost they have to go through a period of of, of not playing so well, of injuries. They have to go through all that. Um, and currently, we've got you know one or two at that Mason, for example, who's at a point in his career where he's pushing to get back in. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This Saturday, Talk Sport brings you exclusive commentary of KSI versus Tommy Fury live from the Manchester Arena. Our team on the night includes presenters Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis, commentator Andy Clark, former super bantamweight champion Spencer Oliver. And don't forget, if you head over to the Talk Sport Boxing YouTube channel, you can follow all the action in the build-up to the fight. KSI against Tommy Fury is live and exclusive and free to listen to on Saturday right here on TalkSport. Anyone who's watched the um, documentary, have you seen it? The uh, Furies, the Tyson Fury documentary on Netflix? Not yet, right. to be honest. It's actually really good. It's one of those things that I don't really sort of get into, but I was coming in, Mrs. Mathis, oh, I was watching it, keeping an eye on it, and I became addicted to it because it is quite, they are quite fascinate, a fascinating mm. family. And he is quite engaging and he's obviously you know he's had his mental health problems and he's had his issues but he's very he is very sort of alluring when you're listening to him talk and watching him go through it there's a couple of episodes where Tommy Fury almost takes centre stage and he is going out to fight it was a couple of years ago you might remember where he, there was an argument about whether he made the weight or didn't make the weight um, and um, then he has to fight somebody else at la- in the last minute it doesn't quite work out for him and it hasn't really taken off for him as a result it was interesting listening to him and his discussions with his fiance at the time, Molly May, and they're discussing how he's feeling going into fight camp and how he wants to be the best version of himself and wants to sort of live up to the Fury name. It's interesting that he's taken this sort of route to to get involved in these sort of misfit series. Um, and he's finally facing off with KSI this weekend at the AO Arena in Manchester in the cruiserweight division for the MFB Championship. To explain more, uh, let's go live now to Manchester and deal with our team. Spencer Oliver and Gareth A. Davis, uh, they are uh, right outside, uh, well, uh, right outside or the inside the uh, MEN right now. Uh, hello, boys. Sam, how are you doing? Afternoon. Set the scene. Where are you? What's happening? Well, <laughs> set the scene. On, tell right. the story. So I tell the story. So on, we got story. a train up here this morning at 9.33. The train was due in at 11.45. We got here about 11.50. We've just jumped into a taxi and we are sitting in these seats. We've been here for about 30 seconds. Yeah. I made a little sprint <laughs> to the door. Gareth A. Davis didn't. No. I'm not sure why. I don't know if he's in shape. I don't know if he's up to that, but we're here. We're live. I'd lost and the world to live. To this event. 
Um, listen, uh, don't don't talk to us about trains and, and issues with transport because we know we're, we feel yeah. your pain. Let's just leave it there. Um, who's going to be feeling pain on Saturday night? Um, well, obviously, look, Tommy Fury is a massive favourite in this fight. He's bigger, he's more experienced, he's from 10 generations of bare-knuckle fighters. He's a massive favourite with the bookies. But all the way up, we were doing our own straw poll with everyone who's talking about this event. And KSI is so well-known, and everyone believes in him, they're all saying that KSI is going to win. Mm. This is just fans in the street and people on the train. And Bryce Hall, one of Logan Paul's friends, who's on the train, He's got six and a half million followers and he's going to be on the Misfits cards very soon. They all believe that KSI is like a god to this. So that all the jeopardies on Tommy Fury. And in fact, he's got to go out there and make a statement against KSI. Absolutely. You say he's a massive favourite, but do you know what? I don't think he's that big a favourite. If I'm totally honest, KSI, is, he's, got some, he's got some serious drive in him. And when you look at the fight, if you use as a comparison, you see if you use Tommy, uh, um, Tommy Fury versus... Um, Jake Paul out in Saudi Arabia and you saw that fight that was entertaining and that was quite competitive as well I think that KSI is going to bring it here and, and Gareth's right in what he says is there's so much pressure on KSI's shoulders but he's the type of guy that feeds off that sort of pressure yes. he's got a cult following a huge following 50 million fo um, followers plus they all believe in him they and all he think he's going to win and I think that sort of drive is going to make this fight a lot closer than people people would say because Tommy Fury is the guy that comes from the boxing brand uh, uh, boxing background as Gareth says you know he he's the guy with the history the Fury names on the line that's a lot of pressure on its own but KSI is a kid that has had a lot of drive and he's got some talent as well and the, the other thing about KSI Sam is that Everything he touches seems to turn to gold. He doesn't know the meaning of failure. He's, he's got, he's, he's transformed his shape physically extraordinarily as well. I think what will happen in the actual fight is that he will burst out there. He's a very aggressive come forward fighter. And I think he will get caught by Tommy Fury on the counter. They'll have worked on that. I think Tommy Fury should be going out there and trying to make a statement to stop him. And he should do it in about four rounds. It's a six three-minute three rounds, of course. But I think KSI will get put into his shell after a couple of rounds. And I think Tommy will probably stay behind the jab and may even play it safe. Because he's looking at that second fight with Jake Paul as well. Uh, Spencer, you said that there's a lot of pressure on KSI's shoulders. Surely it's the other way around, isn't it? I mean, what would it mean for Tommy Fury's I agree career with that, if he yeah. was to lose this? Absolutely. Listen, when I said a lot of pressure on KSI's shoulders, what I said was he's the type of guy that feeds off that pressure. He yeah. wants that pressure, but it's a different pressure from, from Tommy Fury and on his side, you know, with Tyson, the family. He's got to the win. Family and, every, and everything he's else. He's got to win, hasn't he? He has to win. Yeah. There's a, there, there is a different type of pressure mm. on him, a huge mm. type of pressure that brings out the nerves in fighters, and it's how, how he controls those nerves. It's a huge Tyson Fury's on. coming on the it's, night. It's, it's going to be there the day before he leaves for Riyadh. It's all this. There's a, there is enormous pressure. John Fury's there. Look at him yesterday, oh. throwing bottles at KSI, bottles of water. KSI spitting on him at the media workouts. John Fury is a big pressure on Tommy Fury. So he's, he's a great asset as well. <laughs> he sells him. But I'm, Sam, I'm doing a Spencer Oliver no, this Sam, morning. Sam. I've got off the train. I've had four coffees. Jeez. I can't stop myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm starting to worry whether Sam. or not this, you're, you're getting a little bit sort of too into it. Maybe it feels a little bit, even the build-up with you two sitting there all caffeined up to the max, feels a little bit WWE. And I wonder whether or not, you know... It I, is very WWE. I was going to say, is that, totally is, that, WWE. is that where we're heading with? 
with this because ultimately, if you're a boxing purist, you're not necessarily as subscribed to KSI versus Tommy Fury as you would be some of the other big fights. But with Francis Ngannou going to meet uh, um, Tyson Fury in the next couple of weeks or so, is this where we are with boxing? Is are we trying to move it into an entertainment zone? No, you've got to understand that this is something totally different. Yeah. yeah, entertainment value, this is absolutely huge. Yes, WWE slash boxing slash entertainment. That's what we've got here, right? There's a different demographic, a different audience that different watch, milieu. This, that watch this one. And it is, from the entertainment value, it is brilliant. It really is. Like, you know, and, and like I say, the audience there will be huge, absolutely huge. But don't mix it up with professional boxing and with what we're going to get on Saturday night and then you're going to ask me the question well where does Tommy Fury fall into that is he a YouTube boxer is he a professional yeah, boxer exactly. well the answer is the answer is he's a professional boxer and you know the history of him that's where he comes from but from the business point of view he's recognised that he's huge in that world as well the influencer world Love Island 2019 and he's grown and built a huge audience and he recognises from a business point of view this is where the money's at he's a this very is where he's earning a man. lot of money he's the right guy in the right place at the right time any other boxer Idris Virgo is a pure boxer has come into the misfits and I did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago and he said you know I'm down on the undercard at the York Hall and there's 14 people in there when I walk out. When I fight on Misfits now, and he's fought on a couple of Misfits, he said there's, there's 10,000 people in the arena the whole time from 7 in the evening till 11 at night. Mm-hmm. It's supported in a different way. My sponsors feel differently about it. We are going through a paradigm shift in that way. And when you mentioned Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou, of course it's not the undisputed heavyweight title um, going down, which we'll see either later this year or early next year with Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. But it's still an event, an entertainment event. And there, there, there's in, in, in boxing, in fight sports, there's always been crossovers that have drawn the attention of people that, that, that scream fight, fight, fight in the corner and get the eyeballs on it. You know, Muhammad Ali was going to fight Wilt Chamberlain years ago, the seven-foot-tall basketball player. There's famous photographs out of there. He fought Antonio Inoki in Japan, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Late on in his career in the 70s. It was a disaster, but and, and you know the the, the normally um, quiet and articulate Japanese fans with a ripple of applause at the end of every round left all their popcorn and food and drinks scattered all over the seats because they were unhappy about it because Ali danced around for 12 rounds and Inoki kicked his legs from lying on the ground. Um, you, you do get. There's always freak shows in fight sports, and, and, and this is one of those freak shows in a weird way. Tommy Fury and Jake Paul, I think, did 600 million, 600,000 pay-per-view buys earlier in the year. You were out there, but Adam and I, Catterall and I were back in the studio. It is a modern phenomena that YouTubers, influencers have taken to boxing. Tommy Fury just happens to be from the Fury family made his fame on Love Island, handsome young kid, and he's just there, he's got Baby Bambi, Molly May, and he'll never, in my view, fight for the British, European and world titles in pro boxing. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.